When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. I'm Lori Gottlieb. I'm the author of Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, and I write the Dear Therapist Advice column for The Atlantic. And I'm Guy Winch. I'm the author of Emotional First Aid, and I write the Dear Guy Advice column for TED. And this is Dear Therapists. Each week, we invite you into a real session where we help people confront the problems in their lives and then give them actionable advice and have them report back to let us know what happened when they did what we suggested. So sit back and welcome to today's session. This week, a mother and daughter who've been emotionally distant for the past 25 years try to heal the wounds of the past. From the moment she said she didn't want us to be involved in the adoption process, I felt that Stephanie was rejecting me. And as things have gone on for the past years, I felt like she doesn't approve of me. And so I've just distanced myself. First, a quick note. Dear Therapists is for informational purposes only. It does not constitute medical or psychological advice and is not a substitute for professional healthcare advice, diagnosis or treatment. By submitting a letter, you are agreeing to let iHeartMedia use it in part or in full, and we may edit it for length and clarity. In the sessions you'll hear, all names have been changed for the privacy of our guests. Hi, Lori. Hey, Guy. So what are we going to be talking about today? Today we have a letter about a mother-daughter relationship. They're both going to be here. The letter came from the daughter. And here it is. Dear therapists, I became pregnant and placed my baby for adoption when I was 19 years old. I was in the second year of college and didn't feel I was able to raise a child well at that time of my life. The adoption was open. And while I don't have a particularly close relationship with her, We've been working to deepen our adult relationship, and I feel that's going well. My mother, Rona, loves my daughter and has a good relationship with her. However, she has never been able to forgive me for getting pregnant out of wedlock. At one point, about 10 years ago, she told me it was the worst thing I could have done to her. This was despite my other successes in life, a fulfilling career as a teacher, close friends, a paid-off house, and a generally good life. I visit her and my father a few times a year, and while from my perspective she tries to hold it together when I visit, most visits result in her yelling at me, whether it's about the fact that I got pregnant 25 years ago or other small things which I suspect are precipitated by her lingering anger. I think we would both like to have a closer relationship, 
but this isn't possible for me while there's this tension between us. Please help, Stephanie. But of note, Laurie, is our producer just notified us that a week ago the father passed away. Now, they're still coming on the show. The mother and daughter have expressed interest in doing that. But we wanted to point out that this big thing just happened, and we'll need to take that into consideration. First of all, my condolences to the family. And I think it's interesting that they're both still eager and interested in coming on today because we offered to put this off and they both wanted to still come on and talk about this. So I imagine that this has been so much in the foreground for both of them and something that they've really wanted to deal with for a long time. Exactly. And yet they haven't been able to repair this rupture in 25 years. So I'm curious about why that hasn't happened. We have a lot of questions and probably the best thing to do is let's go talk to them. You're listening to Dear Therapist from iHeartRadio. We'll be back after a short break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Dear Therapist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Dear Therapists. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary, indulges your senses, and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the Natural Hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. I'm Lori Gottlieb. And I'm Guy Winch. And this is Dear Therapists. Hello, Rona and Stephanie. Hi, Rona and Stephanie. Welcome. Hello. Hello. We'd like to start with our condolences, and we're all very honored that you're able to join us today, despite what happened, and we'd like to hear a little bit about where you both are right now, given the events of last week. My husband has been sick for years. It's an autoimmune that is progressive, and it seems to have flared 
maybe two weeks before he died. He was in the hospital for a week before he died. Stephanie was able to get home before he died. So it was not unexpected, but still difficult. Of course. And for you, Stephanie, what has this been like? I didn't realize how much worse it was getting. They called me early last week and I was able to get on a plane and was there. He wasn't really talking or anything by the time I got to the hospital, but I was able to say goodbye and, and be there for the last few hours. Mm. You know, the first few days are really hard. And then I have so many amazing friends and family sending out their love and thoughts. And I think I'm a little bit numb and not really completely processing it. Sometimes, you know, for a few days, I just kind of cried a lot. And now it's like, I've had so many family around and it's actually been kind of nice to spend time with them. And I think it's going to get harder again when I go home. Have you and your mom been able to support each other through this? Yes. I have felt her support. And Mona Stephanie said that a lot of friends and family have been coming out, which is great. Do you have a support system in place for when Stephanie leaves? I do. For the moment, I'm actually looking forward to some alone time. But I have a great network of friends and we have a lot of family in the area. And Stephanie, you're going back home. Do you have a support system there? I do. My partner drove out to meet me and we were driving back together. And then I have lots and lots of friends who've asked what they can do. And I've made a list, <laughs> actually, of the people who've offered. And I have a friend who's already like, hey, I'll be getting back Friday night. Let's hang out. And I feel very fortunate to have that, too. That's good. So tell us a little bit about what your relationship has been like from early on before the pregnancy happened. I mean, I feel like we had a reasonable relationship. I wasn't always the easiest teen, but I feel like we had a, a fairly good relationship. We baked cookies together and she was very welcoming to my friends. We got along. And Rona, what was your perception of the early years with Stephanie? I always felt like her father was the better parent. I was kind of the heavy in the relationship. The disciplinarian, as it were? Yes. But yeah, we got along. You know, somebody turned a switch when she turned 13 and I couldn't wait till she went to college. She turned 17 and I was kind of hoping she'd stick around for a little while. What was the change at 13? She was more secretive. She had bad taste in boys. And that was always a difficult thing. Can you tell us about the boys and what the bad taste was about, in your opinion? She went after the, how should I say, naughty boys, boys who were more wild. And I've heard from others that this is not unusual, especially for teenagers like Stephanie, who feel like they can reform these young men. Would you get into conflicts around her choice of boys, what would happen between the two of you? We really didn't argue about it. Her dad and I both felt like if we forbid this, it would not do any good. At one time, she said to somebody, my parents liked all of my boyfriends, and there were some that made us shrug. There's a difference, though, between forbidding that she sees someone and having a conversation about, hey, can we talk about some of the boys you're hanging out with? Did you ever have those conversations? At least with one. Mm -hmm. I could recall a conversation and she would say to me, but he's so sweet. Stephanie, from your perspective, you said you weren't the easiest teenager. What did you mean by that? I guess I didn't even mean so much that I was harder than others. Most teenagers are not easy to deal with for their parents. 
I did what I was supposed to and I got good grades and I was active in band and I had lots of friends and a lot of the, the guys I dated came from homes that maybe weren't nearly as supportive as mine, but they were good people. From my perspective, my parents were pretty judgmental about who I dated and the people I think they wanted me to date weren't as good, in quotes, as they thought they were. A lot of the people that seemed more straight-laced were going out and partying and drinking a lot and things like that, which I didn't do at all. I didn't drink alcohol at all in high school or drugs or anything like that. And the guys I dated, you know, some of them smoked cigarettes, but they would never have let me smoke or drink or those things because they knew that was bad for them. I had one boyfriend whose dad locked him in a closet and forced him to smoke a pack of cigarettes to try to make him stop. And then he was addicted, he said. So from my perspective, these weren't bad kids. They weren't doing anything bad to me. They were never abusive. They were never unkind. So did you feel then, because you knew that your parents disapproved of these boys, that you had to hide the fact that you were seeing them? Or was this all out in the open? I mean, the only thing I hid was things I did that went beyond kissing. <laughs> I'm sure I wasn't completely truthful about everywhere I went. <laughs> but generally, I didn't hide that I was dating them. So then what happened when you went to college? Because that's when you said you got pregnant. Tell us about what happened around that. I went to college and I slept with someone for the first time. And whenever I think back, it's like, oh, how could I be so irrational? But I was afraid my mom would find out I was on birth control. And so I wasn't on birth control of any kind, not even condoms, which was just dumb <laughs> in retrospect. It's so illogical. But I don't know how she would have even found out necessarily, not trying to blame it on her. That was my thought process. And then I got pregnant. And tell us what happened once you did. I had just actually broken up with the, he'd been my boyfriend for several months and I was dating somebody new and I took the pregnancy test. At that point, abortion was not an option. And so I was going to place the child for adoption. And it was an easy choice, really. People say that must have been a difficult choice, but it wasn't. It was like, well, this is obviously the thing to do. And my new partner was very, very supportive. And he stayed with me through the whole pregnancy and I chose her parents. And the baby's father? Yeah, her biological father wanted nothing to do with anything. We still were in classes together, but we weren't really speaking to each other much. He gave the paperwork to the adoption agency with like the medical history and stuff. And that was the extent of it. So he wasn't really supporting you through the pregnancy? Not at all. I had a new partner who was amazingly supportive. I think of Danielle as having a biological father, a birth father, an adoptive father. So the new boyfriend supported you throughout the pregnancy yes. and you stayed in college and you took your classes. Yes. And you had the baby. What year of college were you at that point? It was my second year. I had her the summer after my sophomore year. How did you tell your parents? Tell us about that conversation. I was terrified to tell my parents. My parents came to visit me for a weekend while I was in college and we were sitting around eating and I was talking about my stomach kind of not feeling well and it felt better when I ate. And then mom asked me if I was pregnant and I said yes. Rona, how did that come to your mind, the first thing, that she might be pregnant? As opposed to just she's got food poisoning or isn't feeling well? I suppose that was always something I was afraid of. I probably did not discuss sex as much with her as I should have, but I thought she would be responsible enough to use contraception. So tell us, what was it like for you, for your husband, to hear the news, how you felt about it? Actually, as I remember it, I, I kind of jokingly made that remark when we were out eating. And she, as I recall, she didn't indicate positively then. She called and talked to her dad in the hotel room. That's how I remember it. 
then she came over. You know, at that point, her dad and I were not opposed to abortion, but she was, and that was fine. That was not something that we were going to push on her at all. So she came over. I took her to the grocery store to pick out some foods that helped me because I had had a lot of morning sickness when I was pregnant. That's probably how it just entered my mind. So you kind of snapped into supportive mode of taking her shopping, getting her the right foods to help with the morning sickness. Mm-hmm. Yes. And what was going on for you and your husband as you were digesting this news? The first thing we did was make an appointment with the adoption agency, and we went and discussed things with them. My husband and I did. At that point, we made an appointment for the three of us. And this probably is when things started deteriorating for me because we told Stephanie that we had made that appointment and she said she didn't want us to do that. She wanted to do it herself. Stephanie, can you tell us what happened for you? I feel like that was when my mom was most supportive. Dad was always supportive, but mom, I do remember her taking me grocery shopping. And I remember she sewed maternity clothes for me because that's something she could do. I don't remember anything about the adoption agency. When I hear that they went first, I feel like I should be the one to go there (laughs) and make that appointment. In retrospect, I really don't remember anything other than going there by myself. So I don't remember all the details perfectly. Can I ask how you felt about being pregnant? I didn't want to be, but it was clear what the path was. And then it was like, I'm doing this. Someone else is going to have a wonderful child and I've got decent genetics. So that's good, too. I guess what I'm asking is, did you worry at all about what your other classmates would think and your peers? Because, you know, most people were at a different stage. They were just going through college. And did you worry about how you might feel when somebody else was going to raise the baby? How did all those things sit with you while you were going through the pregnancy? I didn't worry about what other people would think. I was in a fairly liberal school in a small department. So everyone was really supportive. My professors, my peers, they were wonderful. My partner was wonderful. I don't think I'm as maternal instinctually as a lot of people. So I didn't feel super sad about it. My partner and I had planned on getting married and having children at some point. We hadn't talked about the specifics. We ended up breaking up later. But yeah, I just, I didn't feel that sad. Your mom said the beginning of the deterioration happened when they went to the adoption agency and they got rebuffed and told you wanted to go. But what was your experience about when the problems began or when it became clear that this is not just a supportive thing for your mom, but she's having issues with it? What I remember is when she told me I wasn't allowed to tell anybody in the family that I was pregnant. And she was like, you're not going to come home while you're pregnant because nobody should know. And how did you feel about that, that this is to be now hidden or a secret or something shameful? I certainly didn't feel good. Again, my partner's family was very supportive. And so I just kind of let myself be surrounded by that family and my friends. And it's not like I talked to my cousins on a regular basis or anything. I was the kind of kid for the most part who did what their parents told them to. And I kind of was just doing that again, I guess. Did you understand why your mom wanted you to keep this secret? Yeah. And I know she was very ashamed of the fact that I got pregnant. Or that's what I assume. (laughs) I shouldn't say I know how she feels. Do you want to ask her right now how she felt at that time? Since for 25 years, you've never asked her that. (laughs) Yeah. Go ahead and ask her. How did you feel, Mom? That was 
something that was unacceptable in my family as I was growing up. Not that it never happened, but it was something that my parents would have been extremely upset about. The sex out of wedlock or the getting pregnant? I mean, obviously one requires the other. Well, for them, probably the sex out of wedlock. For me, it was the irresponsibility of not using contraception. For me, that was the unacceptable part. And at that point, both of my parents had died. So it was something they would have been ashamed of. And Stephanie, continue asking your mom about how she felt and what she envisioned, because there's a lot there. She's saying that her parents would have been really upset by that, but they weren't alive at that point. So maybe find out from your mom who she was most concerned about, if word get out, what that would do. I get the sense, mom, that you were ashamed that I got pregnant and that was what it was about. Who are the people you were ashamed to find out? Your grandmother, my siblings, and perhaps as much as anything, it would be a reflection on me. What would it say about you? That I hadn't been responsible in discussing these things with her. That you didn't raise her right, yes? Yeah, in this particular point. Yes. I mean, she is a wonderful person, and she has so many good qualities, and we are proud of her. But it feels like this is the only thing that matters when it comes to how you feel about me. I think I've gotten over that, to tell you the truth. I'll tell you what bothers me, because I've thought about this a lot. What bothers me is that you have never said to me that you made a mistake. I can forgive a mistake, but I get the feeling that you don't think you made a mistake. I think I've been very clear that I made that mistake and then I did the best I could in that situation. Maybe I didn't say that directly to you. Your grandmother and I were out to visit you and she looked at the picture of Danielle and she hadn't known who she was. And she said she wished she would have. Yes, and she did get to meet her. But I said, in your defense, you made a mistake. And you turned and said, no. I heard that as saying that Danielle was a mistake instead of that I made a mistake. Because I have been very upfront with anyone I talk to saying that I made a mistake. And I did the best I could. And I think you know, this is that she has wonderful parents and is a wonderful human. I, I think I heard that differently when you said it. Because I've always admitted that was idiotic. I mean, to have unprotected sex and expect not to get pregnant is just stupid. Clearly, that's a mistake. But I don't want to say that Danielle is a mistake. That's not what I was saying. I'm just saying that I think I heard that differently because it was a mistake to get pregnant, but to call a human a mistake is not okay. Rona, what does that do for you to hear Stephanie say, I made a mistake by not using contraception? How does that help you with your shame? I think I've gotten over the shame. It makes me feel good to hear her say that. All along, from the moment she said she didn't want us to be involved in the adoption process, I felt that Stephanie was rejecting me. And as things have gone on for the past years, I felt like she doesn't approve of me. And so I've just distanced myself. What's so interesting is that That's such a mutual feeling you both have that each doesn't approve of the other. You feel, Rona, that 
Stephanie doesn't approve of you because you felt pushed away when you were trying to help. And Stephanie, you felt very judged by your mom. And so you each have had your feelings hurt by the other and felt pushed away and felt like the other doesn't approve of how you handled the situation, which it sounds like you were mostly on the same page about. I think the biggest difference was that she wouldn't let me tell any of the family. Were you able to express that to her at the time about what that meant for you? Were you able to have that conversation? I didn't know how to have that conversation then. I wasn't that emotionally intelligent back then. <laughs> then tell her now how what that was like, having that edict come down that you may not tell anyone. It was so incredibly hurtful to be hidden, being sent off away. Like I, I didn't count as a person anymore because I was pregnant. And so grateful I had my partner's family to take me in. I spent holidays with them. And then for Danielle to be a secret, it ate at me more and more. How can this human be a secret? She has this family and that's not okay. And finally I thought about putting the pictures away because mom was coming out and she was bringing grandma. I'm like, no, I refuse. There's this point of like, I am not doing this anymore. This is not okay. And I am going to make sure that she's no longer a secret. How old was Danielle when she was no longer a secret? Six or seven. I think it was more like four. But for several years, she was a secret. Yes. Stephanie, can you tell your mom now what it was like to have Danielle be a secret and how it made you feel toward your mom? It just felt so wrong. And I was probably ashamed myself that I had allowed that to happen. I mean, yeah, I made one mistake, but that's one mistake that lots and lots of people make. And I did the best I could from there on. And that doesn't seem to account for anything, is how it felt. In whose eyes? Moms. Just moms. Everyone else I've ever interacted with has been so supportive. And I've been told so many times by so many of my friends how much they admire what I did. Mom is the only one in my life who's ever been negative about it. I feel angry on Danielle's behalf. What about on yours? And I guess on mine too. You guess? I haven't thought about it like that, but I've definitely been angry about it. Absolutely. I thought it was interesting that you said that you can't understand her being ashamed of a human and you were referring to Danielle. But I think you're also saying, I can't understand her being ashamed of me. Absolutely. Can you talk more about that to her? Can you let her know what that's like? Because it seems like Underneath all of this, you and your mom really love each other. And this created so much pain and rejection on both sides. Can you tell her how rejected you felt, what it felt like to feel like she was ashamed of you? Even though you'd been such a good kid your whole life. Mom, it felt so incredibly hurtful to feel like. The only thing that matters in my entire life is this one decision I made when I was 18. It feels like nothing else matters. And that's so incredibly hurtful. To feel like you're ashamed of me. Everyone makes mistakes. And I feel like you can't forgive me for this one mistake. Rona, what is it like to hear that from her? And I want you to think about it, not in terms of defending yourself but more just imagining her experience because her experience might be different from yours. 
but just knowing that that is her experience. What is it like for you to know that your daughter feels that way? I'm sorry that she... Talk to her. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I gave you that impression. It took me years to come to terms with my feelings about it. And apparently I have not let you know. When you're saying apparently I have not let you know, had you thought you had let her know? No. We have had very few chances to talk, just the two of us. It seems like we would get started on something and something would interrupt. Who did you feel was the one creating distance between the two of you? Did you experience it as Stephanie pushing you away or as you pushing her? Like who was taking distance from whom in your eyes? I felt she was pushing me away. Therefore, I pushed back. Why did you not try to initiate a conversation with Stephanie to say, hey, let's figure this out? You know, as time went on, more and more in my family were aware of her, met her. Maybe I felt there was progress. Are you saying that the fears that you had about what would happen if your family knew that she had had Danielle didn't come to pass? Meaning people embraced Danielle, people embraced Stephanie, that your fears didn't come true? I would say they were less judgmental. Yeah, it was freeing for me. And did you let Stephanie know that you were feeling differently about it because people were finding out and the sky wasn't falling? No, not in so many words. I guess I assumed that she would think that was so. Right. Often when we see issues, especially between parents and their adult children, they have so many similarities, even though they feel like they're very, very different. And the similarity here is that you, Rona, wanted Stephanie to say, hey, listen, I made a mistake by not using contraception. Not Danielle's mistake, but I made a mistake by not being responsible when I was having sex. And you, Stephanie, have wanted your mother to acknowledge her mistake too, which is, I made a mistake by trying to hide something that was not shameful. I made a mistake by making you feel ashamed of having this baby, which is not shameful. And neither of you is saying that the other person has said directly, I made this particular mistake. Because you both acknowledge that you made those mistakes. You, Stephanie, said, I don't feel like Danielle is a mistake but I made a mistake by not using contraception. I wasn't responsible. And Rona, you're saying, I made a mistake by being ashamed of something that turned out not to be something to be ashamed of. And I wonder if maybe you guys could do that now. Maybe Rona, you could start. I'm sorry, Stephanie, that it took me so long to realize that I should not have been ashamed of you. Can you tell her you made a mistake? I made a mistake in not telling you sooner. But, but the mistake also was I made a mistake in hiding 
you. It was bad judgment on my part. Can you tell her that? Because that, that seems to be the way you feel now. I don't know that I was capable of dealing with, with it. I wish I could have been more supportive. I wish I did not feel that way, but I've been working at coming to terms with it. I say to myself, I wish Stephanie had never gotten pregnant. I love my granddaughter. I'm so glad she's in the world. And that's my conflict. Why at this point do you wish that she had never gotten pregnant? How has that affected your life, Stephanie's life? Because it seems like Stephanie's doing pretty well in life. She seems quite happy. She is a wonderful person. She's very successful. She's excellent at her work. I've watched her. I have great admiration for that. I tell people how proud I am of her. But she also seems to feel whole as a person. Yes. So why do you wish that she hadn't gotten pregnant, given how it turned out? That's my conundrum. Well, let me suggest something to you, Rona. The part that you're not talking about at all, but that was extremely present for you at the time, was that when you're saying to Stephanie, I don't want people to know that you're pregnant, and you're trying to keep that from family who you assumed at the time, based on your upbringing, that people would be extremely judgmental, that people would look at Stephanie very, very differently, that they would look at you very, very differently, that they would judge you as her parent because she got pregnant. That was the fear that you had. And the part that you don't talk about is that when there's a secret, even if the secret is being kept for a little bit of time, you still walk around with shame. You still walk around with the worry of if they found out, they would treat me differently, they would look at me differently. So the fact that you tried to keep the secret didn't mean that you weren't impacted by it, that you weren't feeling shameful yourself, as you said, about that I'm the mother here, so it must have been a miss on my part. That's what people are going to think. I think that's the difficulty that made it hard for you to reconcile and makes it still hard for you to reconcile those two things. You're not adding in the piece about the personal consequence to you in your feelings for many years. I think you're right. I did feel it was shame for me. It was a shortfall on my part. You told me in the car just a couple of days ago, you raise your children the best you can and then you send them off so they can do what they want. And you can't be responsible for that anymore. And I feel like you're taking a reverse responsibility for something, a choice I made. But that's not your fault. But Stephanie, what you're missing here is that your mom had said she had those fears that people would find out and be very judgmental. And the part that I was highlighting is she walked around with those fears for a very, very long time. That was a consequence for her. It wasn't your responsibility, but there was a consequence for her, again, in her head, in her feelings that played out for many years. And that's, again, not your responsibility, not your fault, but it's important for you to acknowledge that that was a consequence for her regardless, even though it wasn't your fault. Do you see that? Yeah, that makes sense. Can you acknowledge that to her? I can see how that was very difficult for you, Mom. Thank you. Is this the first time, Stephanie, that you're seeing that? Yeah. It's hard for me to separate her feelings and the consequences for her from 
the like value judgment of Danielle's life. <laughs> I've never said that because until you said that, I guess I didn't really separate her feelings of shame from a logical truth, perhaps. Right. Because I don't think she should have felt shame and I don't want her to feel shame about Danielle. Then I'd never thought of it in terms of just the absolute her feelings. And this is where it makes it hard for the two of you to connect because it's hard to separate out one thing from the other. So for you to really understand her experience at that time, she's not saying that Danielle is shameful. She's saying, I felt that I had been a bad mother or that other people would think that I had been a bad mother because you got pregnant and didn't use contraception. And that has nothing to do with Danielle. Mm -hmm. That has to do with, wow, I really tried my best. It was really important to me. I think your mom took great pride in being a mother. And every parent makes mistakes. But I think what's really hard is for parents to say, I might have made a mistake. And this doesn't mean that the fact that you got pregnant was something your mom did wrong. But in her mind, that's where she went with it, that I should have talked to her more about this. We didn't really talk about sex. Maybe I should have had more conversations with her. Maybe I should have been more hands-on about the people she was dating, who doesn't instruct her daughter well about contraception. So that was what your mom's experience was. And at that age, it's very hard to see, especially given everything you had on your plate at the time. But I wonder if now, 25 years later, you can imagine what that must have felt like for your mom, walking around in her community, in her era and her generation, and the way she was brought up, that that had a personal impact on her. Again, as Guy was saying, not your responsibility, not your fault. But just that she did have this experience and maybe she needs that acknowledged too. Oh, I have compassion for what my mom was going through at the time. And she made choices that were very hurtful to me. But I understand that they came from this place of inner turmoil that must have been very, very painful for her. Yeah. It's so conflated with my own feelings of being all that hurt, but that makes sense that I need to figure out a way to have a, more of a sense of that. They're both there. It doesn't mean that you didn't feel and don't feel hurt by what happened. Right. Yeah. It means, and in addition to the hurt, I have some compassion for what she was going through. That was a very, very difficult time in her life, too. Intellectually, that makes a lot of sense. I think to really feel it, I need to do a little work to get there. Mm -hmm. But I'm certain I can. Look, you both need to do a little bit of work to get there because this is one of those situations where both of you have very complicated, strong feelings about one another and about the situation. And some of those feelings are warm and positive and your mom admires you and respects you and thinks the world of you. On the one hand, there's this one thing that she feels so differently about or felt so differently about, and you felt supported initially, and then you felt so rejected and so alienated, 
And even then you can see, no, I know she's trying. She has a good relationship with Danielle. It's very, very mixed. And when we're not used to sitting with that contradiction of feeling very warmly on the one hand, very hurt on the other for many years, it really feels like I have to make a choice. It's either or when it's both. And what happened with the two of you is that you experience the more challenging feelings as pushing each of you away from the other person. And then you missed the wish to connect or the wish that things had been different. And you need to spot that going forward because both those things are going to be there. That makes sense. Yeah. I was curious about one thing. How do you talk about Danielle together? Are you able to delight and to bond around her? Or is that fraught as well? I think it's great. I mean, she's a wonderful young woman. We're proud of her. We've always had a good relationship with her and her parents and her younger brother. We consider our grandson too. Is that something you feel brings you a little bit closer when you talk about Danielle? I think so. What about you, Stephanie? I feel like there's always that layer of this shouldn't have happened. Perhaps I'm just so sensitized because we've had so many arguments about it. <laughs> but it doesn't feel just 100% positive. I guess I feel the judgment from her so often around so many conversations. In your letter, you say that this still comes up all the time. And I'm wondering, how does it? The last time that I remembered it was really bad was a few years ago. And I was going to Norway and I was going to visit family. Anyway, she just started yelling at me. And then she said, you're not even sorry about Danielle. And that was just a few years ago. Rona, were you upset that she was going to Norway? I have no recollection of this conversation. I was thrilled she was going to Norway. I was a little upset when she was thinking about seeing her father's relatives at Norway and not mine. I didn't get any response from your relatives. We were out on the back porch and you told me how upset you were about Danielle and that I wasn't even sorry about it. I talked to my best friend about it right afterward. This is what we call kitchen sink fighting. One issue comes up where somebody is upset about something and then they bring up all the old arguments, but you're not really talking about the one thing that's right in front of you, which is you're not seeing my relatives. And I think what that brought up for both of you was the core of the Danielle argument, which is not about Danielle, but it's about you, Stephanie, are not seeing my relatives. Now, you might have had good reasons. You said you tried to contact them. It doesn't matter from your mom's point of view. She felt hurt that you were not seeing her relatives. Maybe she was embarrassed. Maybe there was, again, that, how does this look? Or you don't respect me. Or whatever came up for her around the fact that you were seeing your dad's relatives and not hers. And so it went to that core of, and how could you not use contraception? And for you, Stephanie, it went to the same place, which was she's blaming me for something that I should not be blamed for. And that's the argument you guys have a lot. I'm displeasing mom. I feel blamed. I don't feel I should be blamed for this. 
And the reason that this keeps coming up is because you haven't really resolved what happened with Danielle, which was your mom said, I just want you to acknowledge that you made a mistake not using contraception. And you're saying to your mom, I just want you to acknowledge that the way you handle this hurt me deeply and that you made a mistake by handling it that way. Rona, I want to ask you something. In this Norway example, I know you don't remember getting upset, but clearly your feelings were hurt because you were like, she got in touch with my husband's family, but not with mine, regardless of the why right now. I'm just curious about how easy or difficult you find it to express it to Stephanie when your feelings are hurt. Is that something you struggle to do, to acknowledge my feelings are hurt by that, and to say that rather than to go to anger? I consider myself a rational person. I was hurt that she wasn't seeing my family, and she did end up seeing my family, and I was very happy about that. What I'm asking, Rona, is are you able to say to Stephanie, hey, I'm hurt that you're going all the way there, I have family there, and you're not going to see them. That's something you struggle to say. You acknowledge it to yourself, but you don't express it. To Stephanie, instead you get angry. And I'm wondering if part of why you don't express it is what you said a moment ago, which is, I'm a rational person. And often people who think of themselves as rational people don't like to feel too emotional. And they don't like to own that their feelings are hurt a lot of the times, because sometimes that's not rational. And I'm curious about whether that's something you would feel comfortable doing, saying to Stephanie, hey, you know what? This hurt my feelings, to be honest with you. Would you feel comfortable saying something like that to Stephanie? I would have to think about it because I'm always afraid of saying the wrong thing. So sometimes I just don't say it. But you're saying now I don't say it because I'm worried about the reaction. What I'm asking is about your comfort level of saying it, just you owning that vulnerability, which can feel difficult. I'm asking regardless, do you feel comfortable owning that vulnerability with Stephanie and saying, you know, the things that happened that hurt my feelings, what would that be like to say something like that to her? And that would be scary. Can you talk about what's scary about it? Well, it's scary because I don't know how she's going to react. It makes me vulnerable, not in control. And it puts you in touch with the very feeling that you might otherwise be able to push off a bit. And I think that's the scary part. The irony of being worried about the reaction that you're going to get is that the way that you do express your displeasure gets a bad reaction. It's guaranteed to get a bad reaction because it comes across as blaming, as disapproving of her. It projects your pain onto her. And then she has to hold all those feelings that you don't want to express. But when you're more vulnerable and tender, which doesn't mean you're not rational, you're actually being even more rational because you're in touch directly with what you're trying to communicate, which is you're going all the way to Norway. I feel hurt that you're not going to be seeing my relatives. And it's a statement about you. It's not blaming her. It's not getting angry with her. It's just telling her, here's something to know about me. I feel hurt that you're not seeing my relatives. And then she can do with that what she wants. Hopefully she won't hear that as blame, right, Stephanie? You hear that as, oh, I'm hearing that more as a request, and let me explain why I'm not 
or why I might be able to, or how we can work this out. That would be a very new kind of interaction for the two of you to have. And Stephanie's smiling right now because I think that that would be something that she would welcome. Sure. Absolutely. How do you think you would have responded if in that conversation your mom would have just said to you, oh, you know, my feelings are kind of hurt. You're going all the way there. And at the moment, you don't have any plans to see my family. What would you have said? It would have felt a lot better. I think it would have said, I'm sorry, I want to visit your family too. I really do. I just haven't heard back from them yet and I don't want to impose. Yes, I would add one thing. If you start with, Mom, thanks for sharing that with me. I know that's not easy for you. And then the rest. Because it's really scary for her. And your mom has a lot of fears that turn out to be okay, like the fear of how the family would react to Danielle and the fear about you not seeing her family. So it's important if she's able to express that vulnerability for you to acknowledge that, that was a difficult thing for her and then do that reassurance or the response. That makes a lot of sense. And Rona, you said something that I think is important, which is that it's very uncomfortable for you to feel like you're not in control, which is like most of us. We all want to feel like we're in control of a situation. But one thing we can control is how we approach other people. If you want to feel in control and have true control, you can control how you communicate. And that doesn't control the other person's response, but it certainly influences the other person's response. Much more than if you try to control with the way you communicate, because you probably won't get the reaction that you want. And then you're both going to feel very out of control. It seems to be what happens. So I wonder if we could hear one more example of how Danielle and this argument between you still comes up. I feel that things have progressed. She was here for the funeral. She was here at Christmas time. I thought we were making progress, but maybe we're just ignoring it. I agree that it's gotten better. It certainly has gotten better. There was a time when, you know, in Danielle's first 10 years, I would only come home for three days because it felt like you were really trying your best to hold it together. And three days was as long as it lasted. And then what would happen? It felt like walking on eggshells. And it, it still does sometimes, just not nearly as often. Like I had to read her mind. And if I didn't read her mind correctly, she'd get upset about something. Like I was home last summer for my uncle's memorial and she was upset with my dad's brother about something. And she just starts, it's not technically yelling, but speaking to me in a harsh voice about something. It's not very often that we actually talk about Danielle. It's more that my sense is these upset feelings about her come out because mom's trying to ignore them and she's trying to be good with everything. It's definitely gotten so much better. Absolutely. But not good enough for us to be close. Because when she has strong feelings, she does struggle to express them in terms of the vulnerability, not anger. When she has feelings of feeling hurt or worried or anxious or fearful, those she has trouble expressing. And I'm going to suggest, Stephanie, that just going forward in general, when you see your mom get angry, I would try and stop her and say, Mom, I suspect that underneath that there's some hurt or there's something a little bit more tender and vulnerable going on. Can you take a minute, try and get in touch? Because I am very much interested in hearing that part. 
and I will respond well, but I, I would like to know what's actually in your heart, not the cover for it, which is just getting angry. Yeah. I like that idea. I'm curious, Rona, what would happen between you and your husband when you would get angry about something? How did the two of you talk about things? He just simply did not get angry. We rarely argued. Do you remember us, Stephanie, arguing? Never. I didn't know if you just didn't argue in front of me or didn't argue. It was rare. I feel like if you did get angry, dad would just kind of go away for a little while and let you calm down. He didn't deal with it. Not so much if you had a, an issue with him, but if you were angry tangentially about me or something else that he just kind of let it go and, and then you'd calm down. But what about when you were angry with him? Were you able to tell him that you were hurt or would you get angry in the way that you talk to Stephanie when you're angry? And what would he do? Because I imagine in however many decades you were married that at certain times you got angry. He would rarely respond with anger to my anger. But would he respond in a way that made you feel heard or made you feel like he understood or would work with you on whatever the issue was? Mm, not necessarily. To be honest, I don't ever remember him saying, I'm sorry. Mm. So there's a lot in the family of people not being able to say to the other person, I made a mistake. I want to get back to something that you just said a moment ago. When both of you said things are better. At the funeral, she put her arm around me. I do not remember the last time she voluntarily put her arm around me. What did that feel like at the funeral? It felt wonderful. And when is the last time you put your arm around her? She shies away from hugs, so I hardly ever even try to give her a hug. I like to hug her before she leaves. But she really is, is not a hugger, and I try to respect that. So that was a nice gesture, Stephanie, because it was very meaningful for your mom to do that. What would have to change, Stephanie, between you and your mom for you to feel comfortable asking for or giving a hug from her? I would have to feel like I'm not ever walking on eggshells. I guess really what it comes down to is that you'd have to be able to talk to me about how you're feeling. For me, a hug is a way to express what I can't put in words. Rona, did you hear what Stephanie just said about what would make her feel comfortable with hugs with you? What needs to happen for her to feel comfortable? Yes, yes. She says that what would make her comfortable is that she needs to see some vulnerability from you, a little less of the rational and a little more connected to your feelings in a most human way, that would make her feel safer. Because I think that your rational comes across really stoic, maybe cold even. And so it's scary to hug someone if you can't tell what they're feeling. And I can try to do that, but that makes me very vulnerable. Correct. It also puts you in touch with your feelings. It also allows you to express the feelings directly rather than have to cover with anger or frustration or pushing away. So it has many benefits, not just hugs. And yes, it's scary to do. It's taking emotional risks when you do it. But to fix your relationship, you'll each have to take emotional risks to get closer after so many years. 
And I'm curious about whether you each feel ready to take emotional risks, small ones, with one another going forward in order to get closer. Lorna, do you feel ready, willing, able to maybe experiment with that a little bit? Yes, but she's leaving. As soon as we're done here, she's leaving. Uh -huh. And you'll never see her again. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not good on the telephone. I can't connect on the telephone. Perhaps it has to happen with video calls, which are a little better. Or perhaps it has to happen more in person. There might be more reason now and more ability now to visit one another. Stephanie, do you feel ready to take yeah. emotional... Well, that was quick. Okay, good. <laughs> but you do understand how scary this is for your mom. Yeah, because I feel like it's the same kind of fear I have about hugs or whatever. I think that's a great comparison that where she feels comfortable with hugs, you feel comfortable with words. And especially now that your dad is not here, I think it gives the two of you an opportunity to start a new chapter in your own relationship. Yeah. It might highlight for the two of you that we all have a limited time here. And so you could continue with the patterns that have been going on for 25 years. Or you could do something different now that might feel so much warmer, richer, more loving, more connected. And I think you both really, really want, even if it's scary. And I think you've wanted for a long time, both of you. This has helped me to hear things verbalized. I've just not been able to verbalize them. I wonder if you could both tell each other what mistakes you have made so the other person can hear it. Stephanie, can you start and don't do buts and caveats and we know that Danielle is not a mistake. Nobody here is saying that. Can you just name the mistake that you made and ask your mom if she can forgive you for that mistake. Um, I made a mistake when I didn't use contraception. Can you forgive me for that? Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Mm. Rona, that sounded so honest and authentic. And immediate. And immediate. There was no hesitation. There was no pause. Your voice was strong. It sounded extremely genuine. Yeah. Yeah. It is genuine. Mm -hmm. And Stephanie, I can see that you're tearing up and this has felt very meaningful to you. Yeah. You might not fully trust it <laughs> <laughs> because it's new, but I want you to take in what just happened because I think you've been waiting a long time for it. And it's probably been there a long time, but as your mom said, she's not really good at verbalizing, but she's probably felt that forgiveness for a long time. And it just had never been spoken between the two of you. Thank you, Mom. And Rona, can you ask Stephanie to forgive you for the mistake that you made, which was making her feel shunned like a secret, like she was shameful? I'm sorry I made you feel like you were shunned. I made a mistake. If I were to do it again, I would handle things differently. Mm. I'm sorry. Tell her how you would handle it, if you could do it again now, knowing what you know now. I would 
not have hesitated to share with others your pregnancy. It was my feelings that were the problem. I'm sorry. Thank you. And Stephanie, that doesn't mean that you're not hurt by it. Do you understand the difference? Yeah. Okay. I hear you when you say that it was about your feelings and that you would have done it differently. And I, I appreciate that and I forgive you for the way things were with making those choices. I really would do it differently. I'm sorry. This is one thing that came across in the letter where you say we both want to have a closer relationship. And people often say that, but wow, you really both want to have a closer relationship and have wanted to for a very long time. And I think it's so important that you both understand that the same desire that you have, I wish we were closer, I wish that stuff hadn't happened in that way, is a very mutual feeling. And the part that trips people up is they feel like, well, now I have to not feel any of the hurt. You can still feel all the hurt. Nobody's saying, forget all the hurt, forget all the pain. We're saying, now you have an opportunity to see what happens when you aren't living under the cloud of something that was a huge rift in your relationship and that you start to repair it. Not that it all just goes away magically but that you start to repair it and you start to talk about it differently and you start to really look at who you are to each other now as mother and daughter. Because you two both want something and you're both equally terrified of it. And we want to help you get through the terror a little bit. Before you were born, I wanted you more than anything. And you've been a wonderful wonderful daughter. You were a wonderful child. We always love you. And I am proud of you. Thank you for saying that. It means a lot. Did you wonder whether she loved you in that way or was proud of you? Absolutely. You didn't know that? Not for sure. I've always known dad loved me and was proud of me, but I kind of felt like his love was always unconditional and and mom's felt conditional and I kind of wondered a couple years ago I was wondering like I wonder if you want to have a kid oh more than anything yeah when I was little I would say to my mother I love you and I like you and I can say that to you I love you and I like you I love you too mom thank you Ronald that was you being vulnerable You got emotional a little bit when you were saying it. This is you being vulnerable and opening up. And this is you, Stephanie, making it safe for her and responding in a lovely way. And I'm glad you did that, Ron. I'm glad you took that risk right now. And do you see the reaction on Stephanie's face? You see how much you touched that little girl that you wanted so badly by telling her, I love you and I like you. They're two different things. Yeah, they are. Rona and Stephanie, we have some advice for you, and it's in multiple parts. Here's the first part We know you're both grieving the loss of your dad, Stephanie, and your husband, 
Rona. We know, Rona, that you don't love the phone, but you did a great job today on the Zoom call. So we would like you both to have one Zoom call with one another this week. And we'd like you in that call to each share two difficult moments that you've had around the grieving. It could be moments where you were missing him very much, where you were feeling very, very sad, where you were feeling worried about the future, whatever the vulnerable feeling is, because we're going for sharing something that's difficult. We want you to each share two moments like that with the other person. And when you do that, we would like the other person to respond in a very simple way. No advice, just, I understand how you feel, I get it. I'm so sorry that you're hurting. And we'd like you to notice how that feels to say that to the other person, to receive it from the other person. The second thing that we would like you to do is we were so moved by Rona, you telling Stephanie how much you love her and like her, even though you don't tend to verbalize those things. And Stephanie, you said, I always felt it was conditional. Like if I did the right things, then I was loved. And then if I made a mistake, then maybe I wasn't. And so we would like you to share with each other one memory each. Rona, we'd like you to share with Stephanie a moment from her childhood. You talked about how much you wanted to have her and how lucky you felt to have her. What is one moment that you can share with her from her childhood where you just delighted in her, not her accomplishments, not something that she did that was external to her, but just a memory of being with her where you felt so lucky to be her mom and you just delighted in the moment with her. And Stephanie, we would like you to share a moment with your mom from your childhood when you felt so loved by her. We know that you were closer with your dad and sometimes your mom wasn't able to express her love as much or in the same way, but there must have been moments because we can tell from the closeness that you have and you're smiling, so we can tell that that's true. We'd like you to share a moment from your childhood where you felt so loved by her. So that's task number two. And we'd like you to do that again on a Zoom. Here's the next task and it will also involve a zoom call we would like you to have a call with danielle both of you together with danielle and we would like you to tell her how meaningful it was to have her at the funeral how much you appreciated her coming how much you appreciated her support and how happy you are to have her in your lives these are things you might have said to her already. We're not sure she's ever heard that coming from both of you at the same time in the same moment. And we think that would be a nice thing to do to set the stage for three generations of women being together, talking together and expressing love to one another together. And the last thing that we would like you to do, this may or may not come up this week, but this is a long-term assignment. If it doesn't have this as a tool in your toolbox, and that's if you see your mom, Stephanie, getting angry with you. We want you to stop her and ask her, is this about 
some kind of hurt or some kind of fear. And Rona, what we want you to do in that moment is to really talk to yourself and soothe yourself. And the one thing that I think happens for you is that you feel like you're out of control if you get vulnerable. So we want you to remind yourself in that moment, I am not out of control if I express feelings. That's going to be a big reframe for you because you have this idea in your head that if I get vulnerable, I'm not in control anymore. So when Stephanie stops you, we want you to think about her question. Am I feeling hurt? Am I feeling scared? And then can I be vulnerable and express that to her as opposed to the anger, the blame, the judgment? And Stephanie, remember that when you redirect your mom and say, mom, usually when you're angry, it's because you're hurt or because there's some fear there. Tell me about that. If she's able to, then the first thing you say is, mom, thank you so much for sharing that with me. I know that was very difficult for you. And I so appreciate your trust. Yes. You don't have to agree with the thing that she's hurt or afraid about, but you have to create a space where she can trust that she can share that with you. And that will create some safety between the two of you. Right. And one last thing, if you start to feel safer with each other, Stephanie, you might want to put your arm around your mom when you see her. And you might see what that does in terms of bringing her closer to you too, in a way that feels comfortable to both of you. Thank you for helping us verbalize things that I couldn't verbalize. I couldn't quite wrap my mind around to get out the right way. Yes, thank you. You're very helpful. <laughs> thank you. You're very welcome. We really look forward to hearing how the week goes for you. You know, when people come to us for therapy with someone else, whether that's a couple or whether it's a parent and a child, usually the problem has been going on for quite a while. And we don't know how much repair has to happen before they can figure out where they are now, who they are to each other now, and what might happen moving forward. And what I really loved about this session was that even though this had been such a longstanding issue between the two of them, they were willing to be vulnerable with each other. They were willing to try new ways of communicating with each other. They were able to open up about what these longstanding grievances had been and what was going on for each of them. And I think that's a really positive sign. I agree. And I'm also going to say what we would say with a longstanding issue. Great. You have a little more understanding of one another right now. It will take a lot of work and mindfulness to keep doing this to repair a relationship that's been strained for 25 years. I actually think it's very possible for Rona and Stephanie, but they're going to have to get comfortable with emotional discomfort and they're going to have to be able to forgive each other for mistakes because no one changes all at once. But if they can do that and if they can work at it, I think there's hope to really recover in a substantial way. You're listening to Dear Therapists. We'll be back after a short break.
Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So, Guy, we heard back from Stephanie and Rona, and first we're going to hear from Stephanie, and then we're going to hear from Rona. Let's hear what happened this week. Hi, Lori and Guy. Reporting on this week's assignments. The first thing Mom and I did was have a Zoom call with Danielle, where we expressed our love and admiration for her, and she seemed very pleased to hear us say that. I know that I'm not always very good about expressing those things either, so thank you for that assignment. And the three of us decided we'd definitely like to do some more of those in the future. The second assignment, mom and I did a Zoom call where we talked about two times that were difficult regarding dad's death for us. And while we weren't perfect about just listening without giving advice or judgment or anything, I know that's something both of us can work on and plan to. And then the other assignment was for each of us to share a joyous moment from my childhood. And I shared a time when mom and I would make decorations for the windows for holidays. I always remembered that fondly. The fourth part of the assignment where I was to respond to mom if she gets angry, that hasn't happened yet because it generally happens in person and I had already left. I do though really appreciate having a tool and and the permission to use that tool when I do see mom starting to get angry with me. So thank you very much for that. I think that's going to help things a lot with us. And overall, I've just felt that our relationship has been lighter and more open ever since that conversation. I think that you have opened a door and and shined a light on a path for us to move forward and and grow closer over time. And I'm deeply grateful for that. Thank you. This is Rona. First of all, I wanted to talk about our difficult times grieving. The most difficult time I had was when someone asked about him who had not heard of his death. And I had to tell them that he was gone. Another moment that hit me was when I needed to find a tool to make a repair. 
and I couldn't ask him where it was. I had to search. Stephanie and I both miss him, but realize that we have done much of our grieving as we watched his health decline. A moment when there was pure joy. When I looked at Stephanie shortly after she was born, even though I was exhausted as a new mother, I felt amazing love seeing her sleeping in her carriage. As she grew, her joy in riding her bicycle was contagious. It was great to have Danielle and Stephanie together with me on Zoom. I just wanted to snap a picture of us expressing our love for each other just to keep it in my heart. It made me realize how few times the three of us were together. Two at a time was not unusual, but the three of us together was less frequent. And I thought it was one of the nicest things that have happened to me. Thank you. So I'm going to start with the thing that grabbed me the most, and that is how they each, both Stephanie and Rona, seemed so delighted with their call with Danielle, that they loved the fact that it was three of them on the call. There was something about them doing that together that really felt good to them. It felt good, apparently, to Danielle. And that the fact that they want to do more of that sounds great. That sounds like a really nice thing for all three. Right. And I grabbed onto that, too, because... That's really what the letter was about, which was, how do we start to heal this? And it sounded like it was such a meaningful experience for all three of them. And I love that they're going to be doing more of this. In terms of the joyous moments from Stephanie's childhood that they shared with one another were lovely. The birth and riding the bike, the holiday decorations. They are each good at describing what brought them the joy and their both not great at describing the joy. The emotional component for them is always implied in the action, but they have a really hard time actually talking about their feelings of joy and describing them fully. Yeah, and we saw that in the grieving part too, where we asked them to share some difficult moments they had around the grieving and have the other person support without advice. But when they were sharing this part, we didn't hear the emotion. Rona said they did a lot of their grieving when the father was sick, but I think that that grieving was very internal for both of them. And so it would be great if they could share more of their emotional experience with each other. I think that would really bring them closer. And I would suggest to both of them that, Stephanie, the next time you have this conversation, say with your mom, and she says, oh, there was this really difficult moment where I needed a tool and I didn't know where it was and I couldn't ask your father because he wasn't around. I don't know how you responded when she told you that, but a great response would be, mom, tell me more about what that was like for you. Tell me more about what came up for you in that moment. I'd love to hear what your experience was. They both really struggle to express the emotion, so they have to really invite the other person to do so. This is something that takes practice and they both need quite a bit of it, especially Rona. You need to practice expressing these emotional feelings because that's how you can get in touch with what those feelings are for you. And I think what will make that easier for them is what Stephanie said near the end, that 
there's just a lighter and more open feeling between the two of them since they had this session. I think that will really help them to open up to each other and feel more comfortable doing that. And I liked what Stephanie said about even though they did not have an argument this week, because that usually happens in person, that she now has the tools and she feels like she has permission to use the tools. It's kind of like we help them establish a boundary between them. And now they know that if this comes up in the future, that Stephanie can hold that boundary and Rona knows exactly what that boundary is. So I think that that will be helpful too. My last thought here is that what I heard from both of them was hesitancy and hope they're still hesitant. There's still a lot more to prove and a lot more to show one another about the fact that they are now on a new chapter in their relationship. And it does feel like they're on a new chapter and it does feel like there's a lot of hope, but there's still a lot of hesitancy. So as long as you keep working together, talking together and really trying to share the feelings and validate those feelings, I think you will be able to continue to make a lot of progress and really start a different relationship than the one you've had over the past 25 years. If you're enjoying our podcast, don't forget to subscribe for free so you don't miss any episodes. And please help support Dear Therapist by telling your friends about it and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Your reviews really help people to find the show. If you have a dilemma you'd like to discuss with us, email us at laurieandguy at iheartmedia.com. Our executive producer is Noel Brown. We're produced and edited by Josh Fisher. Additional editing support by Zachary Fisher and Katie Matty. Our intern is Alana Doherty. And special thanks to our podcast fairy godmother, Katie Couric. We can't wait to see you at our next session. Dear Therapists is a production of iHeartRadio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at betterhelp.com. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.